to Gardening Talkback. And straight off the bat today, we've got Peter from Bolton Point. He's got a question about his azaleas and gardenias. How, how can we help you, Pete? Um, I want to prune my azaleas, the gardenias, and miniature box. Is mm-hmm. it too late? No, no, no. You can you can still do those now. Right. Uh, look, the only thing I'd always say about uh, azaleas is just be careful how much you're going to prune them. Don't do them too heavily. Only give them, uh, you know, a small amount because they just do funny things. And I say yeah. that in inverted commas when you... Uh, when you prune them too heavily, they just do, you know, funny things. Uh, they, they come back all sort of mutated. And we did them once at someone's garden and we just went too heavy and uh, sort of wrecked them up for the people. Mm. Uh, if you're going to do your camellias now, uh, you're going to be pruning off any uh, sort of budding material. So you probably won't get as good a uh, show of flowers for this season if you decide to give them a good old prune now. So just be careful about the way you do that. Camellias or gardenias? Uh, the, the camellias, mate. Uh, no, I, I've only got gardenias oh. and azaleas and mini, miniature box. Ah, oh, okay, there we go. I was, I was putting words into your mouth. <laughs> uh, look, gardenias, yes, fine to do those now. They should have, you know, largely stopped flowering. You'll probably get some spot flowering through now. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, look, you can certainly give those a prune. You can hedge gardenias. I mean, they're such a versatile plant. Uh, you know, very, very easy to look after. Uh, and you do get those lovely fragrant white flowers out of them. So, yes, yeah, certainly go go on those if you want to. Uh, mate, I wouldn't leave it too much longer because as it starts to cool down, obviously the growth starts to slow up. Right. Uh, so, you know, if you leave it another month, then you're probably going to end up having a fairly bare plant for a longer period of time. Whereas if you do it now, uh, you know, things will, you know, spring back a little bit quicker for you. Yep. And, uh, yeah, look, mate, your miniature box, same thing. Give it a go if you want to. Right. And what about fertiliser for them all? Yeah, so uh, with your azaleas and your gardenias, they definitely love slightly acidic fertiliser. So use cow manure on those. Uh, if yep. you want to, you can also get one of those, uh, you know, proprietary, uh, you know, camellia or azalea, uh, you know, fertilisers. That's good for all the gardenias and azaleas. Yep. And, uh, but you look, definitely cow manure. It's a good organic fertiliser, uh, but it will only help uh, improve the soil, water retention and just getting organic matter in there. Right. And for the uh, the box, uh, look, you could use a little bit of poultry manure on that if you want to, because you want to get something that's got a fair bit of nitrogen in it uh, to try and improve that green leafy growth. Right, beautiful. Okay. And I can fertilise them now after I do the prune? You certainly can, and that'll get them going a little bit quicker for you and, and feed them up to get them through the uh, you know the autumn and winter months. Beautiful. Excellent. Okay, thanks, Scott. Okay, good on you, okay. Pete. Thank you. Bye. Cheers. Cheers, thanks, Peter. It's Gardening Talkback on 2 and you are FM. 49216216 is the number to call if you've got any questions for Scott Sharp. And you've got a few plants there a bit earlier, Scott's. And yes. the devil one. That's, that's the one I can remember. Okay, you want to go for the devil's ivy, do you? Why not? Okay. It sounds bad but is it good no it's actually a very good plant an incredibly tough indoor plant to get if you want something that's got a little bit of color and yep. you know it's a really nice shine in the leaves so it's a, it's a climbing plant uh it's actually uh you know it, it doesn't really like being overwatered. so that's the other good reason uh, for having it inside so they're actually native to uh, french polynesia you know out in that uh, sort of southeast asia uh region region uh, they actually have been found over in hawaii the west indies so they've traveled pretty well okay yeah, so uh, look, they are you know like a rainforest plant that's going to climb up into the canopy. But for indoor use, they work very, very well. People uh, have them either in hanging baskets or they will have them, uh, you know, growing up a totem. That's sort of the old 70s way, and it still looks really good. <laughs> uh, so, you know, you put your totem, your piece of timber in there, and off goes the, the climber up there, and you get this really nice sort of draping plant back down yep. to the ground. Uh, grows in very low light conditions. So you get the 
yellow and uh, shiny green on the leaves. So it gives you color without having a flower inside, I guess. Uh, now they don't really like being overwatered, especially if they're in low light conditions. You can actually sort of rot them away uh, by doing that. So you, you know, might only water them uh, you know, once a week and very sparingly oh, okay. if you've got them in air conditioning or a low light condition. That sounds like a pretty easy plant to to take care, take care of. You yeah, mate, look, we could have one, one back. We could have one here in the back corner of the, the studio if you wanted to and oh, we'd yeah. ha- hardly have to do anything to it. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, I don't think anything would happen to it to be honest <laughs> if it was left in the studio. So that's called Devil's Ivy, a very, very nice uh, glossy yellow and green climbing plant or hanging plant uh, that you can have in a low light area in your house or mm. studio. Or studio. Yes. I don't believe people use totem poles still. Or to- are they called totem poles or just totems? Well, look, we look. Maybe I'm just a bit off-fashioned. We always call them totems. It used to just be a, a piece of timber with a bit of bark on it, so it was slightly decorative. <laughs> and you know, the plant would go, "Ha something to climb up. It's a tree." And off it would go up the tree. Uh, yeah, it's not totem like as in you're thinking, you know, with carved pictures yeah, and, and faces and stuff on there. No, nothing quite so fancy. Ah. No curses or anything being, uh, you know, placed upon you. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> So we've got John from Cessnock, and he says something seems to be attacking his lawn. That doesn't sound good, John. No, it's not. It's, uh, it's actually rotting away at the moment. Right, mate. Define attack for us. Well, I had a pretty good lawn just before, like, the start of summer, and uh, the water buffalo was actually looking really well. Yep. And then slowly, it just sort of, uh, there was something eat, eating away at it, and... Uh, it's just gone to just dry roots at the moment. Uh, I have sprayed it with uh, different sprays for uh, beetles and um, crickets, but I just sort of want to get back up to speed again. So when when did this all start happening, mate? Was it just sort of within the last month or...? Yeah, probably last uh, six weeks, yet. Yeah, look, unfortunately, it probably has been army grub or one of those, you know, crickets or black beetle going through your lawn. Uh, so tell me about how you, when you sprayed it, did you do it later on in the evening and the whole lawn? Yeah, I, I done it. We had this wet weather recently and uh, the granules I used, I was recommended to use the granules uh, late in the evening yes. and put some water on it. Yes. So I put some, uh, number 17, Shirley's number 17 with it and uh, hopefully uh, with the wet weather we might have, um, have fertilised a fair bit. Yeah, that look that that sounds good. What what usually happens with army grubbers? They come in and you know the moth lays it egg, its egg. Grub comes along, starts chewing up, eats the root system, eats some of the leaf structure away as well, and uh, so you start to get those brown patches, you know, moving outwards and expanding in the lawn. And the important thing is, uh, you know, where it's already brown, they've already come and had a feed there. Um, you know, they've already had their surf and turf, and they've got a full belly, and they've moved on to the next section of your lawn where it's still nice and green and luscious. And so when you are doing it, you have to yeah, look uh, use the insecticide on your entire lawn like you did. You did the right thing. You did it later on the evening when they come up to feed. And then, uh, you know, you're just meant to hose it in lightly, depending on which one you're using. It's always according to the instructions, of course. Uh, look, unfortunately, mate, it does take time to come back because, uh, you know, it has been hot. Uh, you know, your lawn's died off because it's had no root system to support it. And uh, so you do have to just, you know, build that lawn back up over time. Hopefully the rain we've had, uh, you know, the last couple of days is going to do that for you. Sea sol's an excellent product. 
uh, to build, okay, yep. yeah, to build up the root system in the lawn. Any of those seaweed products work very, very well. Uh, I wouldn't go over fertilising if you've already used number seventeen. I wouldn't go using that again uh, because it's really, you know, there's nothing there to to use that to utilise that fertiliser you've put in the soil. But uh, the roots are hopefully still in under the ground, therefore you're waiting to spring back. So definitely use some of that sea soil and try and build it back up. Uh, and you know, just keep fingers crossed just for a few more days rain as well. Uh, look, mate, sometimes you can get dollar spot on your lawn and it's just like a little spot that it gets all over it. And uh, so you do need a fungicide for that. But I'd say, you know, talking about the timing that you gave us, you know, a month or so ago and the way it died off in the heat, uh, I'm going to bet, uh, you know, what is it, to a pound? There's a saying, isn't there? In for a... Yeah. Yeah, for a dollar out for a pound? Oh, so, oh, yeah, yeah. Or in for a penny out for a pound. Yeah, for a penny for a pound or whatever, that, that it was uh, going to be army grub that you've had. Uh, look, mate, you've used the insecticide. It wouldn't hurt if you've still got some left to give it another crack uh, because right. the, the eggs can still be lurking around, ready to hatch out, and then you get those voracious little creatures, those little caterpillars coming back out and having another feed on your lawn. Uh, so, yeah, if you have got some left, mate, I'd give it another go. Right, I'll have those lot of crickets. Oh, if so, if you've got crickets, uh, yeah, crickets, exactly the same thing. Most of the uh, the uh, insecticides that you use, uh, like the army grub, uh, will the army grub insecticides will work on the cricket or the black beetle. They're sort of a you know proprietary thing that will work on all of them. Uh, so uh, good on you, John. Hope you have some success with your lawn. Cheers, thanks, John. I usually hot soapy water. That's that's an old trick, isn't it? Yes, with it, crickets. Well, it does. It's good for you know doing the dishes as well. So you can do the dishes and. <laughs> And do the hot soapy water. What it, what it does is, is uh, brings the insect back up to the surface, but it doesn't necessarily kill them. So I think a lady rang up about this last week. And yes, if, she... yes, and if you've got hordes of magpies or you know some other sort of beastie flying around, uh, they will come down and feed. But uh, you know it's quite you know quite a lot for them to feed uh, on. Yep. And if they have too much to eat, they're not going to be able to take off. Yeah. Just be sitting around, lying around your lying front around. lawn. Yeah, susceptible to cats and stuff like that. And all of a sudden, the food chain just goes, expands it's a, it's a out, doesn't it? Cycle. It does, doesn't it? You'll have lions there soon enough. <laughs> Top order predators. Uh, look, it, look, it does work as far as driving them up to the surface, but uh, as far as killing them, unless you've got lots of birds around, uh, yeah, look, it's uh, not going to work especially well for you. Okay, well, we've got Nick now from Fern Bay, and he's got a question about passion fruit vines. How can we help you with it, Nick? Oh, g'day. Um, I've been told that if you plant a passion fruit vine, you've got to plant two. Uh, look, you don't uh, necessarily. You can get grafted ones, uh, and they look after themselves. Uh, usually there's enough, you know, people, there's enough sort of passion fruits lurking around in the area for there to be pollinators. Okay. And, you know, you can't pollinate from flower to flower on the passion fruit. Uh, yep. The reason people will often say that is to sort of stagger the... Because the passion fruits are only short-lived, you know. You probably get, you know, a few years out of them. And, yes. you know, then they can get woody and hard. And so people often stagger the planting of the passion fruit so that one after one goes woody and hard and starts to die off, you sort of got another one in there ready to right. go again for you. Okay. And it's mature, yes. so you, you still you have that continuity of the fruit coming on the yes. plant. Yeah. Not a problem. That'll solve my question. Thank you very That's much. That's all right. Not a problem, mate. You uh, And you just need the bees. That's the most important thing. Cheers. The bees flying around to pollinate them. Yeah, plenty around, yeah. Excellent. Okay. Thanks, okay. mate. Bye. Okay. Thanks, Bye-bye. Nick. Bye-bye. Bye. And we've got Lyndon from Carry Bay, and he's got a question about crown th- the crown thorns plants. Damn. I haven't got to him yet. So you always squeeze from the bottom. Yeah. How, how can right, we help Lyndon? you, Lyndon? <laughs> Hi. How are you, Scott? Yeah, we're doing pretty well, mate. <laughs> 
Okay, look, I've got a crown of thorns uh, plant, or that's what the little old lady who gave it to me called it. Yep. Um, and it's got lichen on it, and I just want to know if that's harmful to the plant. Uh, yeah, so uh, crown of thorns, the other name people call it a Simona. It's a, it's a type of euphorbia, uh, so, you know, it gets that sap coming out of it, and it's got uh, little pink flowers on it, or red flowers, the one you've got, mate? Red flowers, yeah. yep. Okay, so and they get, do get very, very thorny down below, but they are an excellent uh, indoor plant. They will grow out in the full sun as well if you want them, and they'll dry out uh, really well. Apparently, the uh, in Thailand, uh, the number of flowers uh, that has on there says just how lucky you're going to be for the year. All right, yeah, okay. So well, looking at the plant, I'm not going to be all that lucky, but oh. I'm not going to worry about it because <laughs> luck doesn't come into my the, my uh, mode of thinking. Yeah, but, so. Uh, the, it's just the the lichen spots on it that are, that, that worry me. Yeah, so look, you can get rid of lichen. Uh, you need to use a fungicide of some type, uh, usually a copper spray. Copper oxychloride is the oh, way right. to go. Yeah, yeah. and you yeah. spray that yeah, on I've there. Yeah, I've got copper spray for other things, so yeah, I can mate. use it on that. Yeah, mate, so just spray it on so it's running down the trunk, and that should just uh, sort of dry out, out over time, and you should be able to peel it off if you want to. Yeah, so okay. look, over time, it's not going to be helpful to the plant. Uh, so, yeah, if you can get rid of it, I'd do that. And it might be that it needs to be in a touch more sun, perhaps. It's, where have you got it? Well, I've just moved it from the shade into the sun. Ah, uh, okay, yeah. So it might that might even just start to, uh, you know, get rid of it itself. But if you use the copper oxychloride, that'll certainly, uh, you know, help it out. Okay, well, that's fantastic, Scott. Thank you very much indeed. And hope you have a good day and no stupid questions, but plenty of good answers. Oh, no, no. We're, look, we're trying to have a good day. We always try and have a good day here. <laughs> okay, mate. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks, Lyndon. I don't know about stupid answers. No, well, no. We, we never get stupid questions, and uh, hopefully, I don't give stupid answers. 90% of the time, you don't. No, sometimes we go a little bit off topic, but we always drag it back somehow. <laughs> <laughs> We've got Tony now from Blacksmiths, and he's got a question about an avocado tree. How can we help you with it, Tony? Hello, Scott. Thanks very much for listening to me. Yeah, I've this avocado tree for the last eight years, and I haven't had one piece of fruit. Mate, how did you grow it? Did you get it from seed, or do you, is it a grafted one? Uh, it's a grafted one. I got it from, uh, oh, I don't know if you'd say Bunnings anyway. Oh, that's, all right. that's all right. We we can handle that. They're out there. Uh, so, look, <laughs> yeah, a grafted avocado tree should fruit much earlier than that. Uh, mate, mm. it sounds like it's going to be the soil conditions uh, that you uh, that it might be in. Have uh, you got it in a pot or is it actually in the ground? Oh, it's in the ground. Oh, like, it's 15 yeah. feet tall. Okay, so I'd start. Have you been fertilising it with anything? Yes, potash. Yep. And cow manure, mm-hmm. everything, you know, I do it in spring. She seeds, like she has fruit on it, like, you know, the buds and that. Yep. But they don't uh, mature. They just uh, fall off. Okay, now that this is something that can happen to them. So it's good to know that they are actually getting, uh, you know, fruit, like little flower buds on there. They can get, yeah. a, fun- they can get a fungal disease is the trouble with them. Uh, and that actually, it's like a blossom end rot that comes in the flower. So you need to spray at that time when you see the flowers on there with a fungicide. Uh, like a man- fungicide. Yeah, Mancozeb Plus is going to be the best one for you. And what- Mancozeb Plus. And what happens yeah, is is that that fungus it actually wrecks up the flowers or even if it does form to fruit, the fruit starts to rot off from the sort of from the stem end, from the blossom end, we call it. Uh, so uh, you, you need to use a fungicide, uh, use Mancozeb Plus, uh, use it every couple of weeks until the fruit starts to form. Oh, good. Because like when I first got after three years, I had one piece of fruit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
and that's when my wife was alive and she enjoyed it. And I said, oh, well, I might get a good tree. But uh, that and the other tree, too, is the um, olive tree. She's uh, 13 years old and not one piece of fruit. Oh, that, that sounds unusual as well because they usually you know fruit grown on the side of a rock. Look, I bet uh, the other thing about avocados, that's why I asked if it was grown from seed because if it is a seed-grown one, they can take between 9 and 12 years to actually... Uh, to actually fruit. I had one ne- growing next door to me when I lived down at the junction. I wasn't in Caradice at the, at the time. And uh, the 2007 storms came along and we'd been waiting years and years for this thing to fruit. And then it just died in the 2007 storms. I think the water table had come up too, too high and underneath it. So that was a bit unfortunate. So yeah, avocados can take quite some time to fruit if you've grown it from seed. Okay. That's, oh no, I didn't get it from seed, but anyway. Uh, so there's Mangan's Plus. Yeah, Mankas Plus is the one, mate. All right. Okay, Thank you. Okay, good Thanks on you, Tony. Lot, Thank you. Well, hopefully Tony will be chopping into some guacamole before he knows it. Well, I think it's smashed avocado now if you go to the uh, trendy cafes, mate. It's guacamole. Oh, okay. Or guacamole. <laughs> guacamole, sorry. But guacamole's got lemon juice. If you're just having smashed avocado, that's that's beautiful and natural, and you have it on your toast. And no, you got a bit of lemon juice, tomato, you, a bit of chilli in there. You pay $14 for it. Really? It's, well, I think if you go to a cafe, that's that's remember that uh, the the uh, columnist Bernard Salt wrote the uh, column a few months ago about people can't afford uh, housing uh, anymore because they uh, you know too much money on, on smashed avocado <laughs> lunches. <laughs> Grow your own. <laughs> it is gardening talk back on two and you are FM. If you've got any questions for Scott Sharp, you can give us a call on four nine two one six two one six. Now, Scott, it's getting colder. It is. Well, it's not getting colder yet, but it's cold is on the way. And you mentioned something at the top of the program about invaders coming into your house now trying to get warm. Yes, and then you then you told us that you might have something yes. scurrying around. Last night I heard a little bit of in the uh, walls. Really? I'm not very confident. Setting some traps tonight, but is there anything else I can oh, do? Oh, that's so cruel because someone's in there probably, you know, making a little home for their family that they're going to have and they're going to just tweet around and eat cheese. Oh, I don't care. Okay. <laughs> so there is a great product you can use. It's uh, it, it sort of came about, people would use it to get rid of uh, birds and possums. This one's called Deter. Yep. Uh, it's been around for a long time. I actually remember it uh, even when I was a kid being sold. So it must, you know, it's had some longevity, so it must be out there working. Uh, look, uh, with all of these products, of course, a, bit, a little bit of persistence uh, is, the, uh, is the thing to do. Uh, the great thing about this, though, is uh, it doesn't harm animals in any way. It's actually registered to use, I'll just list a couple of things here for you, rats and mice, so that might help out uh, your problem. Yep. Uh, dogs and allegedly, cats. Allegedly. 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 <laughs> dogs and cats. So if you don't like either uh, canine, or, canine or feline, they're going to get rid of uh, one of those for you or keep them away. Possums. This is a, a, why I thought about it a bit as well today yep. because uh, there's mangoes and things out uh, you know, fruiting at the moment and uh, people often don't want their mango trees to be attacked. So you can use deter. Uh, to keep the possums away uh, from your from your uh, house, uh, also get rid of. Uh, <laughs> it, can- sa- it sounds like if you don't want any animals around your house, you can spray deter around. Yeah, it uh-huh. uh, creates this funny smell that they don't like. What if you already have pets? Well, that's a little bit of a difficult one. Then you'd probably just you know be very topical about it and only spray it around the tree. Uh, you know that you don't want the animals, you know the the possums or the yep. or the rats or whatever to go to. It can actually keep away kangaroos and wallabies. So I'd like to see that oh. happening. Uh, deer. <laughs> so I don't know if you've got that's what's actually rustling around in your wall, but it's certainly going to work. Uh, keep uh, wombats away as well, believe it or not. So if I hear it's like as a 
Yes. I know, it's still got no deers in my walls. <laughs> it's Bambi. Uh, look, we'll also get rid of, uh, you know, birds, starlings, you know, those uh, terrible Indian miners. They say it'll keep under control as well. I need to do that because my dogs aren't doing a very good job at keeping them away. So that's called deter. And of course, with it, a uh, little bit of persistence, uh, you know, you can't just uh, sort of do it once and expect it's going to work perfectly. It's, uh, you know, sort of teaching uh, the uh, animal to... Uh, you know, that there's a bad smell to, around. To clear off. Yeah, and it, it lasts up to about 12 weeks uh, in the area. So, um, you know, it's going to work. You can use it in, uh, you know, buildings, you know, inside as yep. well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so quite a good thing. You probably want to stop it getting into your house first. Yes. Yeah. So, we'll, even if, okay, hypothetically, if yep. it's already in my house, I should spray inside first, then outside. Uh, well, outside. I guess because yeah, you don't want to spray outside, and it does. It says, "Oh no, I don't want to go yeah. outside." Yeah, I'd get a cat at the moment if I were you, and sort of put it in the wall. <laughs> don't lock it in the wall. Just just show it, give it the scent, and see what the cat says. And yeah, that's not a bad idea. Yep, I'm pretty sure it's a terrible idea, but okay, but we've a good idea. Here. <laughs> if you do have any questions for Scott Sharp, you can give us a call on four nine two one six two one six, and we've got Danielle on the line. How can we help you, Danielle? Yeah, hi. I'm ringing up regarding a plant I have. It's a Diachondra silver fall. Yes, plant. yes. Yeah, I seem to have problems with it. I've got a few of them because they're beautiful. Mm-hmm. They're great in the beginning, and then they start to, from like the root section up at the base of the plant, they start to shrivel up. Right. Um, the ends still look beautiful and healthy. Um, I've tried doing a bit more water and then because I thought they were a bit dry and then um, when I thought they got too much because I thought it might have been root rot, I tried giving them a little bit less. Right. Um, they're, in, they're in a filtered um, sunlight position, which I know they can handle from what I've researched, um, a fair bit of sun as well as filtered. So I'm not too sure what I'm doing wrong. Yeah, look, I, I guess they're a plant that does prefer to be out in more sun than uh, in filtered shade. So that could be the issue with you. And we've had a couple of people come back, uh, you know, with them where they have had them in filtered shade positions and they haven't done very well for them. Uh, so that could be an issue. Uh, usually when we have them at work, we keep them out in the full sun to sell. Uh, you know, we don't move them in, inside. I think uh, you, they're probably a little bit uh, susceptible to overwatering if you've got them in a shady spot. So that could be the issue that you've had because they are actually quite dra- drought tolerant, I guess, as a plant. And you can let them dry out quite a lot. Uh, so if you have got them in that shady spot, I'd probably cut back on your watering uh, so you know you don't get that sort of sogginess uh, down in around the plant. Uh, look, the only other thing you could do is uh, get a fungicide of some sort, uh, you know, some sort of copper spray, and give it a general spray in around the plant because it could be that there's some fungal spores in there because it's just been overly wet and in that shady spot. And, uh, yep. see, and see if that makes a difference for you as well. Okay, no problems. I will try that. Okay, excellent. But look, gen- generally, if you can get it out into a more sunny spot, um, you know, it might not suit you, but they are going to do a little bit yep. better if they're in, in a sunnier position. Okay, I'll give it a try. Okay, thank you, okay. Danielle. Thank you. Okay, have, have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Now, Scott, you've got a couple more plants there that you're yet to tell us about. Yes, it's another indoor plant. Another indoor plant? Yes, this one's called Ficus elastica, or people call it rubber tree. That's a, I think rubber tree is a lot easier than... Ficus, <laughs> Ficus, elastica. Ficus elastica. That's all right. Rubber tree. Uh, look, they uh, of course come from the uh, jungles around uh, India, Nepal, uh, Burma. You know, they're now in Sri Lanka, West Indies, and actually uh, been introduced into Florida. Right. Yeah. Look, people love them for indoor plants. Don't 
ever, ever plant one in your garden outside, they become enormous, 30 to 40 oh, okay. metres tall. Yeah, and they'll just take over your entire backyard, huge aerial roots. Uh, I remember going up to have to uh, prune one. Uh, this, this guy got us to prune one up in Meriwether Heights one time. We got up there and his whole backyard was just this 30 metre rubber tree. And we just said, oh, mate, we cannot do that. <laughs> and we just sort of walked away. So, But indoors, a fantastic plant. Uh, you get them in uh, just a plain glossy green or you can get them with the burgundy, which like a very dark, uh, you know, reddy uh, brown leaf. Uh, very shiny, very, very easy and tough to look after. Uh, so again, you wouldn't overwater them. Uh, you know, they don't like being particularly soggy. Um, you can prune them as well. Just make sure that you, when you prune them, uh, take them outside or in the garage or somewhere because the sap can drip on them and make a bit of a mess. But that'll give you a nice full plant. Otherwise, I'll sort of if you just got them inside, they'll just sort of go up for the sun and get a bit straggly. But certainly, you just give them a cut and they'll thicken up beautifully for you. Uh, if you like a little bit of foliage contrast, it's a Ficus elastica burgundy or the rubber plant, as Greg wants to. Oh, I think a rubber plant's a lot easier than okay. Ficus elastica. Yeah, okay, yeah. it's too much of a mouthful for me. I'm having trouble already. Well, you're doing very well. That's not too bad. Ficus elastica. Yes, I'm never going to use that in a sentence at all. <laughs> now, I want to talk mushrooms just quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was mentioned a bit earlier this morning in the Todd Sargent Breakfast Show. Oh, did he mention it, did he? He did. Okay. And I've also noticed around my area, well, there's a few mushrooms floating about. Yes. You can't eat them, can you? I think mm. I've asked you this before. Yeah, look, Todd's a knowledgeable fellow. What did he say? I can't remember. Okay. I hope he didn't recommend people go out and eat them because I wouldn't be doing that. I don't, I don't think you, no. you should. I think, that, I think there's good mushrooms and there's bad mushrooms. And look, unless you know exactly what it is, yep. yeah, I, I would not be eating unless it. Unless you're a mushologist or something. Yeah, so or... anything that just springs up in your lawn or you know at the base of trees and things like that, definitely do not eat them. Uh, okay, that was yeah. going to be my next question. If they're on trees, is that okay? No, I'd be using a fungicide to get rid of them and I'll just sort of shrivel up for you. Yeah, no. definitely no eaties. Just um, look at the stuff that you buy from the shops because mushrooms can do... Magical things if to you want to go Greg. on a magic carpet ride. Yes, that's the way do, to go. yes, and I think the magic carpet ride could often send you to emergency at John Hunter Hospital. So definitely, oh. no picking the mushrooms out of your lawn uh, and uh, cooking them in a nice risotto or anything like that because it's not going to be a good result. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be riding dragons for the rest of the night. Oh, I think you would be. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, yep. problem solved. Problem solved. Don't eat them. Just. Get rid of them or just... Yep, get if, rid of them. If you mow the lawn, just go over the top. Yeah, that'll just uh, sort of spread the spores around a little bit more. Oh, so that's, I think... That's, that's yeah. what I was going to do. <laughs> <laughs> so you're going to have a field of mushrooms then and they're not going to be the mushrooms you can eat. Mm. Uh, so yeah, definitely get a fungicide and just give them a spray and get rid of them that way. I wonder how you become a mushroom hunter though. I don't know. I really don't know Because you always that. see these TV shows with people walking around in these forests picking up mushrooms and yeah, that's good to eat and they look weird and... Yeah, yeah, but that's like they've had university degrees, lots of experience. Handed down family generations. Yeah, yeah, like, you know, probably great-great-grandpa, you know, Sven or someone died from eating a certain mushroom and that's what taught the family, don't eat that yellow mushroom. (laughs) All right, well, uh, everything's covered. Good. Let's hope Todd's listening. I hope so. We hope so. We've got up um, uh, Pamela from Sunland Point now and she's got a question about a mango tree. How How can we help you with it, Pamela? Oh, good morning, good afternoon. Um, it is a mango tree that we've been given. It's um, about 10 years old, but it wasn't doing any good in my neighbour's property because it was too close to the lake. Mm-hmm. And so he gave it uh, to us and it started sprouting beautifully, but just want to know if we can keep it to a manageable size and what to fertilise it with. 
Yeah, you certainly can keep mangoes down to a manageable size. If you don't, they will become a very, very large tree, you know, 12, 15 metres tall. I've sort of seen them get up to. Yeah. And look, and that's pretty useless really because all the fruit's up the top and how are you going to climb up there unless you're a monkey uh, mm-hmm. to go and get that fruit? So it's just going to drop to the ground. It's going to rot the, you know, the bats. Everything's going to, uh, you know, sort of come in and, and get rid of them for you and make a total mess. So yes. yeah, you certainly can keep them manageable. I've uh, seen them pruned, you know, down to two to three metres tall. Uh-huh. Uh, and they look, they are a beautiful wood to uh, prune. It's actually quite fragrant. It actually smells like uh, like mango. I was about to say mushroom. Then it actually smells Wonderful. like mango uh, when you uh, when you prune it. So yes, certainly you can. Uh, the main thing to do is to prune it as soon as it's finished uh, fruiting and flowering, so that the new growth that comes on there is ready for you in the following season to get you uh, mangoes. Right. Well, it hasn't. Um had any fruit on it at all in its mm-hmm. life mm-hmm. and now that it's got this you know growth spurt um just wonder whether to just fertilize it and see if it fruits then in springtime yeah look you can you can certainly do that it sounds like if it hasn't been a very happy plant all of a sudden you've no. given, you've given it a good home <laughs> Uh, you've taken it in, you've you know given a nice hot water bottle and all that sort of stuff, and it's a happy plant now. You're feeding it. Uh, so it, chances are next season you're going to get a couple of mangoes off it. be wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they take, um, you know, the one that we have in this area, um, oh, the mangoes are just, uh, you know, have a beautiful flavour from, from them. Um, and a fertiliser, what would you fertilise with? Uh, look, as you were using uh, cow manure, you can certainly uh, keep on doing that. Yep. Okay. And um, and you can you keep it to about say, well, three meters tall. You did say that. Yes, absolutely. Yep. Yeah, I've seen them kept quite low. So three meters is probably an ideal height. You can still, uh, you know, get up and get to the fruit on there. Yep. Uh, you can spray it if you need to. That's another important thing. What that would you spray? Now with yep. the mangoes, we were talking to uh, Tony about his avocado. Uh, mangoes get a similar thing. It's an anthracnose. They get a, a fungal disease on the flowers mm-hmm. and the bud, and it sort of spreads down through the fruit as it uh, as it matures. So it's important to use a fungicide like mancozeb on the uh, flowers uh, when they start to uh, to bud up, so that you uh, protect the fruit. Okay, okay, great. Oh, I hope looking forward to mangoes next summer. And so, so are we, because we love it when people bring stuff in for us. <laughs> oh, good, okay. That, that's a promise. Okay, thanks for that, Pamela. Thanks, thank you. Bye no now. Bye bye. Well, sorry, Scott Sharp. That's all we've got time for today. We are out of it being time. The being time, okay. Or Father Time has passed us by. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.